Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. How you doing, man? Good, man. How are you? I am good. Thanks for popping on. Absolutely, bro. Absolutely. How you feeling? Have you recovered? You're all off the jet lag or still a there? Bit. A little bit. It was, uh, you know, the worst part about coming back to the States? Uh, Waking up at 3 a.m. every day? Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's how it was with Scooby. It took me two fucking weeks before I could wake up at like eight. Oh, my God. What was your Scooby schedule? And please tell me that's... We were there six months in Australia. Six months in Australia. So I was full acclimated to Australian time, and it legit took two weeks when I came back to L.A. (laughs) uh, That wasn't your first time overseas, though, was it? No, no. My mom was a chef, so we just traveled where the work was when I was real little. But that was my first time in Australia ever, man, was that. And we basically lived there. We rented the motherfucker who uh, who invented Nintendo. It was his what? summer house. Yeah. And we rented it. And it was right on the dock in Brisbane. And the stunt guy who was the voice of Scooby in the movies was a guy named Neil Fanning. And he did the boat stunt show in Brisbane at like the Warner Brothers studios they have there, whatever it is. I don't know what studio. And uh, he picked me up at my dock at my house and took me wakeboarding and then dropped me off at my fucking dock at the house. (laughs) I didn't even get wet. I didn't even get wet, bro. (laughs) You, uh, yeah, that when I was jet skiing, you didn't have that same tour guide, did you? Did you do the jet ski tour? No, I did not do a jet ski tour. But you said that that looked exactly like where you guys... It looked exactly like where I was. It looked like that dude's house. How do you forget that house? Please tell me the Nintendo house is just decked out in like... No Nintendo. Like you have a guy dressed as Yoshi who greets you. No, there was a Filipino lady. Okay. There was a a Filipino lady named Violet. (laughs) She made made a mean like hot pot beef soup on Sundays for us to eat. Classic Nintendo. That was all the Nintendo we got, man. That classic Damn. Filipino girl named Violet from that famous <laughs> game, Metroid. <laughs> did did uh, that? Wait, so how long did you shoot that for? Six months, man. What the fuck? Yeah, bro. It was. It was did no, you? And, and our director was an editor, so you know he already had the son of a bitch cut in his head, and it still took us six months. Yeah, that's. I mean, look, you've made more movies than I have, is uh, and been the stars of them is the norm you know six months is long right even by uh 90 standards yeah yeah bro but it was all like blue screen 
and green screen was like just coming into the picture oh yeah and there was all so you know it, it took a long time now you can do green screen on your fucking phone i know <laughs> i know do you think though because like, people say that all the time where they're like now you can just make movies on your phone you don't even need and it is kind of true right but i still haven't yet seen like somebody a good one yeah <laughs> because everyone's <laughs> like dude like have we yet to see someone be like and nominated for and they shot this motherfucker <laughs> on the iphone 8 uh steven spielberg like or, you know so, like you know people were making stuff but there's it's still not i don't know i haven't seen someone do a full length because i guess that they've done some good commercials yes that and they'll say at the end shot entirely on an iphone however they are putting those iphones in like expensive rigs fancy steady cam rigs that auto level yes. all it's not just a you know some asian kid holding it with his hands and he's just mad steady because he's asian <laughs> and so he's just cool and doesn't get the shakes like i do you get camera shakes oh bro i get all the shakes man i used to be so my nerves Chocolate, were so vanilla. steady <laughs> can't sleep paranoid uh, that's right did you guys do the um full australian uh you know, experience. Like I felt like I got pimped out heavily to the sanctuaries right out of the gate, which was hold the koalas, feed the kangaroos. Everyone's yeah, like, we don't, you know, care for the koalas. You're going to get chlamydia. I'm like, hasn't stopped me before. Uh, <laughs> we went, we did all that stuff too. And we swam with dolphins what? at the animal show they have there in Brisbane. Yeah. One of them's name was Cyrus. And I don't remember the girl, but yeah, we got to go in the drink with the friggin' dolphins and swim with. Dude, I'm telling you, they took good care of us. They brought tigers on the set, two baby tigers on the set one day. Just to and hang me, out? Just to hang out. And so I'm petting this baby tiger, and I had these steel tip boots on, and he started gnawing on them. He's only three, two or three months old. This is a long time ago. Are you recording, by the way? I don't want to yeah. just tell yeah. you all my great stories and then no. you go and action i'm like that's it dude trust me i just did some kid <laughs> podcast where we talked for 25 minutes and i and was in the zone dude i was already a favor for this kid he's a young comic and i was like and i'm just like i'm gonna bring it i'm just gonna bring it for him he's like been cool he's been bugging me for like two years i'm gonna do it dude he just goes all right all right hey i don't want to get any more we gotta start i go what i go dude what he goes yeah man i go dude this is your first lesson, man. And not that I'm on here to teach you lessons, but apparently I am. First of all. He learned, he learned that. <laughs> oh, he was like, yeah, I just wanted to like warm up first. I go, dude, oh, you got to like, you th he's like, oh, I didn't know. I was like, you just got to hit recording of people. And if they don't want you to record, then you go back and cut it out. But like, yeah, uh, anyway. that's funny. Dude. So we're jamming. Yeah, I wouldn't miss any Freddie Prince dolphin dancing stories. So continue. Dude, no, they brought tigers on. And he started gnawing on the steel toed. And at three months, I felt a tooth go through the damn steel toe of the boot. And they're like, oh, yeah, his jaw is strong. I was like, yeah, get him off my boot, man. Like, I'm not reaching my hand in a baby tiger's mouth, even if it's cute. But uh, so they got him off and they took him back to his mama because he started going, Rawr! like doing his baby roar, which meant he was hungry. And he needed some mama milk. So they took him back to the big girl. Yeah, or some Freddy feet. You know, either way, that yeah, right? tiger was trying to get his meal on. Dude, somewhere Joe Exotic's like, dude, that just means that he loves you. If he's trying to bite your toe off. Yeah, I don't need to give him the, the first taste of blood. He can get that from something else, man. <laughs> are, they, are they cute, though? Like, do, they, do you see? Because there are certain Bro. koala. I'm like, I would love to have that as a pet. But then the, the guides are like, nah, they're pretty fuck. They're pretty crazy. They shit. They piss. Like, Every animal... Yeah. Every animal in Australia is cute enough to bring home as a pet, but totally. their guides aren't lying. My dad 
who for those of you who don't know, he was a comic in the 70s. Yeah. He bought my mom a monkey um, on her birthday. And his, <laughs> na- his name was Ori. And uh, when, he, when my dad died, she still had the monkey. And the monkey was like not having it. And so he would hide up on furniture. And when my mom would walk by, he would piss on her or he would <laughs> shit in his hand and throw it at her. And so she had to give him to the zoo, man. She had to give him to the LA zoo in like 1977 because he was just a, a lunatic. Like you couldn't have a pet monkey. You shouldn't have been, but the, you, you know, shouldn't. it was the seventies. But yeah, man, he would just piss on her and shit on her. And she hated him. <laughs> now, did, did she try to, for a little bit, be like, all right, like this was a gift from your father. Like there's probably some sentimental attachment. So how no. much shit can I take to the face before this becomes an issue? No, it was the first time. <laughs> My mom doesn't play, man. This is when we, she took me to Europe uh, for almost a year around the sixth grade. And uh, we're running through this train station late for a train. It's our fault. And this French lady bonks into my mom, which is just a bad move. And my cousin was with us, my cousin Chris. He has asthma. And uh, so this lady runs into my mom and she says something in French. I don't speak it. My mom did, and she wasn't having it. And my mom just hits her with a right hand. Bam! And the lady literally goes up and down. And Chris has an asthma attack and starts shaking his inhaler. And she goes, use your inhaler. Let's go. And just grabs us both. And we run for the train, make it on the train and get out. Like she does not play. Dude. Until when I went back to the States, uh, my teacher didn't like the fact that my mom would just kind of take me wherever. Right. And uh, my mom always, she said, what was it? Don't let, don't let school get in the way of a good education. Um, so she would take me all over the place to learn things. And she brought me back and I had this teacher named Nancy Butts and she hated me. Okay. She was a mean lady. Her last name's Butts. So she was Dude, already- she's already going in with a glass half full, you know, like <laughs> she's basically giving kids just darts on the first yeah. day. And she hated kids. I mean, she, cause, uh, well, cause well, we knew her name, you know, but if you're going to be a teacher, don't have that name, just change it to Smith. Right. Yeah. So or be Miss I, B and never or Miss B. Yeah. Name out. Yeah. Yeah. Just B E E. Right. <laughs> and then, Hey, buzz, buzz. And you can take that kind of heat. Take that. That's fun. So I'm in the classroom next door to Mrs. Butts's classroom for, for study hall. Right. And there's only three of us in this class. And uh, one kid shares the wall with her classroom and his name was Nathaniel Gentry and he was a little shit and he was knocking on the wall and some other kid was knocking back. And so they were doing this like, and then he'd go four times, four back. And all of a sudden I hear a slam and Miss Butt storms into the study hall and makes a beeline right for me and grabs my desk and, and legit curses goes, why are you such a fucking idiot? And instead, and I'm 12, but instead of freaking out and getting scared, I know my mother. Okay. And I literally look at this woman. I swear to God, I went like this. I went, okay. Cause I didn't do anything. She grabs me, pulls me up, sends me to the principal's office and uh, says, he was knocking on the wall, blah, 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 blah. Storms out. They call my mom. I'm, I've already told the principal, and he believes me because I was a good kid, man. Yeah, I say. Also, I she came even, in real hot, probably, and was oh, like, "Oh, she was pissed, not that, and she hated, and, and she had issues with me. She didn't like my mom. She didn't like me. Like she, she had issues. So was I the tell principal, this, like, what's the problem, Mrs. Butts? And she's like, "It's Mrs. B." No, <laughs> she did not. She didn't get that hot okay, with okay, him. Okay, good. Okay, she good. just she was hot with me. 
So I tell him the truth, and he believes me. I explain where Nathaniel's sitting. He brings Nathaniel in. Nathaniel gets there right before my mom gets there. He tells the truth, because I would have whipped his ass if he didn't. <laughs> and uh, I think a year later, we actually did fight. I did whip his ass. Of but course. My, mo- my mom shows that. up, and she goes off. The principal's apologizing right away. My mom has the shortest temper ever, and she just goes off screaming, yelling, F this school and F you and F her, blah, 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 and goes off. Come on, Freddie. And she took me to Uncle Cliff's. This is the amusement park in Albuquerque, New Mexico, because she knew I didn't do anything wrong. So she took me to ride roller coasters. Next day. Great mom move. I'm in class, first period, English. Miss Butts. She's sitting there at her desk. We're all quiet reading. All of a sudden, the door flies open. And in walks my mom. Mink coat, hair done, 80s sunglasses, and a lit cigarette in her mouth. Walks straight up to Miss Butts' desk and says, get your fucking ass out of that chair or I will drag it. <laughs> she stands up. Now she gets, not in my mom's face, but she's standing up. Now my mom does to her what she did to me and puts hands on her and pulls her out of the classroom, slams the door, and reads her the riot act loud enough that we can all hear it. And now instead of being like, yeah, I'm like this, oh, God. Yeah, yeah, no. Dude, I love that. My mom didn't play, dude. Dude, because, well, first of all, that's gangster. And looking back, and all the kids were probably like, that's fucking dope. But, uh, but when you're in the kid going through it, it doesn't matter if your mom's coming in for, to, to kick your teacher's ass, which is the ideal move, or just to come in and bring you, like, you know, a clean pair of underwear that you forgot because she knew oh, you were going to fall in the mud or shit yourself. <laughs> Mom showing up, like, it's just a parent during the school day. It's just, like, an embarrassing move. <laughs> there's nobody there, but there's somebody there, and I see you. Hey guys, comedian Adam Ray here. Thanks for listening to the About Last Night podcast. I hope you're enjoying the episode, and I hope you're doing okay. It's a crazy, crazy time right now. And if you're a little uneasy, I get that. And I've also got the answer. Koi CBD. Say it with me. Koi CBD. Feels good. And it does feel good because I use all their products. I've been fucking with the fellas at Koi CBD since my circumcision. And I'll tell you this much. They're the best in the game, okay? Gummies, bath bombs, tinctures, joints, creams, oils. They got stuff for pets. Koi CBD has been giving the people what they need to feel better, to mellow out, to go to sleep right, to take away the aches and pains with the creams and oils. The bath bombs make bathing just the best thing ever. You get a little a little radiation high from the from the bombs. I don't know what's in it, but fucking goodness and, and just all sorts of... It's amazing, okay? It feels like drugs. And it's not, because it's CBD. So, if you want to get these amazing products, and I know you do, because they got the Adam Ray stamp of approval, go to KoiCBD.com and put in the code ALN15 to get 15% off your first order. KoiCBD.com, the promo code ALN15, to get 15% off your first order. Do it today and start living and feeling the right way. And now, back to the episode. Now, does that give you an extra level of... Almost like the kids are like, my dad's a cop. He'll beat you up. Like those kids that used to threaten. Did you have a, an extra sense of like, all right, like I'm not, I'm not with, invincible, but I can. Uh, only I can with, the te- with the teachers, yeah, but not with the kids. With, the, with Mrs. Buss, when she walked back in the room, she looked like her family had been murdered and she walked in and saw it. <laughs> and I was the first person she was dealing with having seen this slaughter, right? And so she comes back in. She apologized to me. 
She apologized to the class. She sat down, and about 10 minutes later, the bell rang, and we all went out, and every kid was like, dude, your mom's so sick, bro. She's so sick. Like, That's awesome. Yeah, dude. You know, and then with Miss Butts, it was a wrap. She never gave me a hard time ever again, man. You get My mom pe- didn't like bullies, and neither did I. So. You get other teachers coming up to your, uh, coming up to you being like, hey, uh, can your mom come to third period tomorrow? Because uh, there's a t- I've been getting into it with uh, – with the nurse, and she's a real bitch. And if your mom could just, I don't know, just a couple, maybe just even a, just a thrust, you know? She would, man. When she was a kid, my mom was a, was a beautiful white girl, and she grew up uh, going to school on a reservation. And so oh, all, wow. the, all the Native American girls were like, bitch, you're getting beat up. So she had to learn how to fight real young, and she had to get tough real quick, man. No they way. beat her down when she was like nine and cut off all her hair. Like, she had to walk home. Like, like so she had her big brother – my uncle Jimmy, uh, who was a Vietnam vet and the toughest dude I've ever known, taught me how to be a man, taught me how to show respect, just a huge father figure in my life. So we taught her how to fight, and then she finally started whipping ass, and then they stopped messing with her. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, obviously, I'm sure Sarah knows all this. Does Is there a point when, when you discuss with her, with your own children, where you're like, honey, I think it's only like it's a part of this family now where the mom – steps it up when the kids are in trouble and needs to fucking put on the fucking gloves and go down there and, uh, or is beat up, beat up a second grade teacher. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Why not? No, mom is very nice. I'm more the one that yells at the school when dumb crap happens. And, uh, I, I, I go in cool, but by the time I leave on my mom's kid, I'm yelling. So no matter how hard I try, I was going to say, because, because like I just from viewing uh, from my sister and brother-in-law's vantage point and the things that they deal with and when they tell me and I, you know, I don't get to being an uncle is like I said this uh, on, on stage a few weeks ago where it was like you're you get to leave right when you don't leave anymore. That's when you're a dad like yeah. this slurpees at seven like slurpees at 7 p.m you're the coolest i'm like i know <laughs> see ya you know like, uncle adam peace <laughs> what this is the parents are like slurpees you son of a bitch <laughs> no it's okay he loves you yeah, yeah, yeah. it's sugar-free Sight. Stay up all night. it's yeah, on me baby uh tell you yeah tell your teachers you were out with me and that's why you slept through math but so i tried i see them having to deal with like the uh the school stuff and so I, it just makes me go, oh, cool. I, I start to see how I would approach it, even though it's not actually dealing with it. But when they tell me about something, is it different, though, when you're, you know, fucking super famous? Like, do you have to go, all right, they're already looking at me being like, hey, man, chill out. Why don't you call Scooby and the gang? To Sometimes. Not a, there's a lot of, like, actor parents at the school that my kids go to. It's a private school. So they're pretty chill. But every once in a while... I just, it's not just at school. I just run into guys whose girlfriends made them go to my movies in the nineties. And they're really pissed off about that still to this day. (laughs) So, you know, I don't know what to tell you. know what I mean? It's like, yo, I didn't write the perfect guy character. It's not my fault. You can't live up to that expectation, bro. Like who you pissed at? So I think sometimes that's what it is, but most of the time it's just, if someone's a jerk, then I'm a jerk. And if they're nice, then I'm nice. But I don't have the best temper. I'm way more patient than my mom ever was because I've oh, yeah. worked at it for so long. But at the end of the day, I'm still her kid, you know? So it, 
when bad stuff happens at the school, I get mad. And when good stuff happens, I don't praise them. I feel like they're supposed to do that. So they're not getting tons of compliments. They receive criticism. I pay them to look after my kids and teach them. I don't need to say, hey, great job this week, teachers. Yeah. I need to say, great job this week, kids. You're grown-ups. You don't need that. So thousand percent. It's almost like dealing with, uh, well, I guess in our business, like, you know, agents or managers, right? Like just the way you're describing it. Like, I, you know, I've gotten advice over the years from people being like, they work for you. You know, if I was, you know, trying to get advice from someone when I was yeah. like, hey, my agent's like talking down to me and like making me feel like, you know, and they're like, they work for you. Like, and this is the person who was giving me the advice was very well off. So I'm like, yeah, it's easy for you to say now, but, but she was like, no, this is just how I've always done it. Like, you but there's something to what she said is if you establish a foundation where they're the boss, Eventually, when you get famous and you want to be the boss, you don't have that agent anymore. Whereas if you establish it, A, and some people like to use the term partner, okay? They say, hey, we're partners in this. So let's mm -hmm. not ever be a boss to either one. For me, I'm the boss. That's it. Like, until you start paying me, I don't do what you say. If I pay you, you do what I say. Um, that's just how I was raised. Wow. That's how I was with my first agent. It's why they didn't like me and it's why they treated me like shit. But so I peaced out and I found the right one. So I would lean more towards whoever gave you that advice, yeah. but I've seen it work the other way too. And I've seen people become incredibly successful with that. I've just never seen it last. Like Pam Greer would always tell you, you're the, she she was like a man. She was supposed to be my mom. She'll tell you that to my dad and her dated in the seventies. That's who he was cheating on my mom. with. Wow. And it's what broke, it's what broke Richard Pryor and my dad up. They were best friends. Richard discovered my dad, but he was in love with Pam and Pam fell in love with my dad. And so it, Richard made my man, my uncle Ron who was my dad's and Richard's manager. He made him pick uh, Ron de Blasio. I don't know if you know him, Yes, but he made him pick and Ron picked my dad, which ended up being a mistake, but he picked, he picked my pops and Richard and my dad never got back together. But Pam would always tell me, and you could read this in her biography that she wrote, you are the boss. Like you are the boss of your lawyer. You are the boss of your manager. You're the boss of your agent. And if you don't behave as, and being a boss doesn't mean being a jerk, yes. but if you don't behave as such, then you are being taken advantage of and you're not a good boss. That, now that's an old school way to look at it. And the business has changed a ton. But it's still a way that I believe works yeah. because it still works for me. But I'm not a jerk to, to my manager or agents why I have the same ones for so long. But that's, So from the get-go, man, you just put the foot down and just kind of – I had a manager insist that I go on this audition. I was like, I don't like it. And he goes, you have to go on it. I go, you don't have to be my manager, brother. And this was on before cell phones. This was on a payphone. I was like, and if you want, we can have the conversation face-to-face. -face. And he was like, no, no, I yeah, no, if you don't want to go, you don't go. I was like, that's fucking right. Like, I wasn't, I've had a boss. I get paid at the end of the week when I have a boss. So I know what that relationship feels like. This dude wasn't giving me no checks. I'm giving him checks. He ain't telling me shit. He can advise me. He can be Robert Duvall in The Godfather. But if Michael doesn't want to do what Robert says, then Robert shuts the fuck up. <laughs> dude, that's... uh Man, that that is invaluable uh, awareness, by the way, because it, I. But it I, doesn't always work because there's a lot of agents who only go in as the boss. So that that person would never be someone that would sign you if that was your 
your MO. And so, you, so, you know, you, you just lucked out. You think that you found a guy that was uh, or a team that was able to like be, get, no, be took, on the same page with that. Right. No, it took time. It took yeah. time. I went through a handful of managers before yeah. I found uh, my guy, David, and he and I work. We're more like partners than anything. He didn't have to sign me. He's got clients way bigger than me that make him way more money than like they don't get none of my WWE money. You know what I mean? Like I didn't when I when I signed there, they gave me my salary in stock. OK. So I didn't sell any of it till this year. <laughs> so they don't get none of that though. So I, it's not like I'm making them a ton of money. He's got better. He's got better clients than me. I promise you that. So we just have a good relationship. He respects me. I respect him. He brings me projects. If I dig him, I say, Hey, let's try to get this. And if I don't, I say no. And he's never pushed me either way. Never. Uh, has he been pushing you for a cooking show? Because dude, your gram is he tried once, man. Food f- is just, f- I mean, f- it's like, it's as close to food porn. Like you've heard oh, you're nice, man. Yeah, man. Like you, you have, I mean, half a, almost half a mil views on a uh, video of your, I think it was pork tacos. Yeah, or fried chicken, something like that. I, Yo, uh, man. Sarah said that one time. She goes, yeah, you had half a million views on some fried chicken. I was like, that's, <laughs> Dude, that's the, by the way, that's the shit that's so crazy about like, you know, fame and also people just loving when they love you, they love you, dude. And it's like, but also I'm looking at it being like, I'm, I watched the full nine seconds of the fried chicken and pork taco sizzle. And guess what? When it ended, I went, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I do that too. I, I check like a lot of like Japanese sushi deep dives on Instagram. Yeah. And you see all these like crazy creative things and you'll watch like a steak sizzle over charcoal and then it's over and it goes to like, and you're like, no, 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 the oh, steak, hey. the steak. Go back, yeah. <laughs> I can watch that for six minutes. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, I remember Katy Perry once uh, tweeted like, Hey, or good morning. And it had like 90,000 retweets and 120,000 likes. And I was like, I was like, I could like, she, that's all it takes for her to just get people to, that's how much people just are invested in her day to day. I was like, I could tweet like, Hey, chilling with Jesus Christ at IHOP. He told me where the Malaysian planes at and I'd lose followers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but that's why you, you can't take social media seriously and you got to kind of play with it and tease it yeah. because you could literally say, Hey uh, guys, you don't have to give any more money to cancer research. I have the cure. And you'd have like seven retweets, four likes and some comments of people going fake news and that'd be it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if you're super famous and you're like, you know, Hey, electricity, hooray. All of a sudden everybody's like, yeah, oh, look at Edison, Tesla. By the Whoa. Way. Judging by that voice, I think that was Tony Danza. I mean, like, hey, electricity. Hey, hey, crazy, yo, huh? yo, Kieran Culkin does the meanest. It's actually mean-spirited, too, but the meanest Tony Danza impression ever. He does Tony Danza from when he had the Tony Danza talk show. And Wait a second. Dude. <laughs> even, it's a different Danza. Dude. Well, first of all, that's the reboot. Not the fucking, not the cop show he tried to do on Netflix. A different no, Danza. The, no, the I'm telling you, a different show, Danza Tony. is the show that needs to be made. <laughs> that's the name of the show yes different dude danza. a different danza and it's dude it's the danza you did not see in daytime or primetime this is late night danza baby he's fucking wearing white beaters out strolling the casey jones spaghetti style. sauce on the side casey jones style with a bath yes. in central park 
With a hockey stick, yes. A hockey stick, that's right. Uh, but no, dude, the talk show, I, I want to hear this story because, dude, I was, my senior college at SC, we would watch, my roommate's side, we were all in acting class together, and we'd get back from our fucking long days of class. You had class 9 to 6, then sh- shows, rehearsal from 6 to 10. We'd get back, even on a Friday night. One of our roommates uh, uh, dealt pot, so we just had fucking a plethora around. <laughs> and uh, we'd just get baked, and we would watch uh, from 1 to 2 a.m., the Tony Danza show in syndication on ABC. Yeah. And then from 2 uh, to 3, Nick Arcade uh, on, um, on Nickelodeon. And, uh, I wish they'd bring that back. Well, unbelievable. And, uh, but Danza's monologue was always the best. And I used to do uh, jokes about this. Please tell me the story or his impression. How is it? Because the monologue wasn't a monologue. You know, shit and move on. He'd be like, dude, Julia Roberts is having twins, uh, two babies. It's going to look like that'll be tough to tell them apart. What else is going on? Oh, well, uh, the Yankees, uh, the Yankees uh, got the new uniforms. Uh, I don't, I like the ones with the stripes, but this one's, uh, yeah, we, uh, we, uh, oh, uh, well, a funny story last night. And they tell these stories and nothing, no punchlines. There was dancing. It didn't work. Okay. It, it, it didn't work. I was doing press in New York. I don't remember for what. Did you do the but, show? Yes. And, Kieran, who did She's All That With Me back in the day, who now, by the way, if you don't know Kieran Culkin, he's the best actor on HBO, and that's saying a lot because there's great actors on that channel, but the work he's doing right now is second to anyone in the world. Um, So anyway, he, he came to visit me. I was hosting SNL, and he came to visit me. And he helped me like learn a bunch of my lives. Like, dude, they want me to read cue cards, but I've never done. Will you please help me? He's like, yeah, is that intimidating sure. as fuck? By the way, because I just watched the cue cards was nothing else was because it happened so quickly. You don't have time to be intimidated. But it was day one, so I had plenty of time for intimidation. And so Kieran was just like running lines the way you would for an audition with me, right? Awesome. So when I finished that, I had to do more press out there. I think I had like a Letterman. And I had some smaller ones, and I had uh, the Tony Danza show. But real quick, and, are you fired up for this? Did you enjoy press days like that? Is it like I hate press? I hate. I, I'm an introvert. I hate doing press. I have to practice everything You're over so and over good. and over. Yeah. And fortunately, like the producers on those shows when you're when they're asking for your stories really allow you if you say hey you know i really try to stay locked into this and i don't like jumping off and then some guys just jump off and you get lucky like with letterman i was always lucky because he sets you up to for you to get a joke whereas jay will set him up for himself up for the joke so that was kind of like the difference in doing their two shows right well yeah just a bit well you know it's my show so i mean here's the thing hey freddie knock knock. yo that motherfucker taught my dad how to drive they were roommates. What? Yeah, he was his roommate. The night my dad like killed himself, basically, Jay was looking for him, trying to get him to come back and stay with him that night. Yeah, like that's how incestuous my life with stand-up comedians is, bro. Because uh, just because of because of my old man. It's so anyway, to- Tony Danza. Before, we- yeah. So I go to do the show, and Kieran comes with me. And uh, we go and I, I do the show and we're making sauce, right? And he's like, oh, you don't know how to make sauce. Let me show you how to make sauce. <laughs> and he's like, show me how to make sauce, right? So I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Go and make the sauce. So we yeah. make the sauce and we come back and Kieran is in full Danza mode. And as soon as I open the door, he's like, hey, welcome to your dressing room. And I'm like, what the, what's he doing? He goes, so on today's show, I'm having Freddie Britt. And he does this like 
uh, maybe 90 seconds of Tony. And at the end of it, he goes, please watch my show. Okay. So anyway, the Yankees were up 6-3, but they ended up losing to the Cardinals. If you don't start watching, we're not going to get to make any more. And he keeps going and going for like 15 minutes, dude. And me, it was a publicist, a makeup artist, and someone else. And everybody's just dead on the floor. And he did like 10 minutes of Danza. But as Kieran Culkin, it was and every like 30 seconds, it was, please watch my show. I saw the ratings. Like, it just kept doing all this shit, man. It was awful. What, oh, dude. Yeah, he, I remember one time he, I saw him out. Steve Whitmire, who took over for Jim Henson, was doing Kermit the Frog yeah. for uh, a while. And he had him on the show. And, and he outed, like, Steve Whitmire. He's like, hey, you know, later we'll meet the guy that's underneath, the, that's moving, uh, moving Kermit, making him work. And then he just kind of pauses and, you kind of just feel this, like he just basically just pulled the curtain back and was like, you know, Sam is a guy named Ted, right? You know, like it was, yeah, that's yeah. You can't you could, do that with puppeteers or wrestlers. You never no, want to do that. Don't with break the fourth one. wall. I he doesn't know though. He's just kind of like so. And but hey, he, he gave him. Please watch my show. You know, it's a different energy. And then he had Kelsey Grammer on once, and he was like, Kelsey and I will come back. We're gonna play. We're gonna play a game called uh, Improvise What. Well, I'm going to say something, then Kelly's going to, it's going to make Kelsey say something, and then we're just going to kind of go back and forth. What do you think, Kelsey? And dude, in the most real moment on the show, Kelsey Grammer just goes, ah, I don't know, Tony. And then, <laughs> and then Tony just goes, me neither. We'll be right back. <laughs> he just, he just rolls with the punch, though. Like, it's yeah, this, he's a boxer. It was, it was really awkward. He was really nice and a sweetheart to me, yes. but he's an actor. It would be like if I had a talk show. It would just, they go, oh, man, Freddie's a nice guy. He's got good stories. But what the hell was that? Like, oh, he didn't ask the guy a question. <laughs> see, and you and, yeah, but you in the same vein, like, when you're that likable, dude, people just want to watch you do stuff. And that's dude, what he made, like, 150 like. episodes of that damn show. Dude, so I went out there. My buddy wrote the music, this guy, Jason Robert Brown, for Honeymoon in Vegas that he did on Broadway. So he hooked me up. I got to interview him for the podcast. And at the end of it, interviewed him as him. Uh, which I'll send you the little clip to that because I had my buddy animate it. And I went... You have an... I love when you guys do that. You animated yeah. Tony Danza, interviewing Tony Danza. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it starts off as me being like, Tony, great, can I interview dude. you as you? I do... That was one of my first impressions. I go, sure. So then it, like, kind of... Like, a little, you know, thing. You know, just more the animation. And uh, and so uh, I went to the uh, show and I go backstage and he comes <laughs> after the show and he just goes... How'd we do? And I go, we were great. He goes, the reviews are in, baby. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's not a wave that he can't surf yeah. and make it feel like the best wave he's ever ridden. Like, yeah. in his mind, I don't know if he surfs, but in his mind, there are no bad waves. There's just waves. I know, man. And it's such like a surfer philosophy, and I've never understood how we do. Here's a question, though. Yeah. Were you already too big? To have done Dana Carvey's first impression show when he did that show, like, were you already too big? Well, I mean, I, that's a, a relative term, but I mean, I no. I, as far as the business's perspective, I'm not trying to say make no, you no, no, sound no. like I, an ass. I, uh, you know, I, I don't know where. I mean, I, I because you had quality with, people on there, and I always oh, thought you were a comic before I even knew you were an impressionist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, no, I, uh, no, I, I don't know why. I, no, I just I I think I don't really consider myself an impressionist, even though that's like Man, what I started. Chilled, though, dude. That's you what I started chilled. doing to even get into this. We and, wouldn't have got canceled if you would have done it. What's that? We wouldn't have got canceled <laughs> if you would have done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I could uh, still be having the easiest job in the world, hosting Dana's show. Oh my god! All I did was host. 
I said, hey, okay, Dana, say something funny, and then he would. And I'd go, all right, we'll be back in five. Like, that's Dana Carvey. It's the greatest show ever. He had Kevin Nealon on, and they just dressed me down as Hans and Franz and basically just called me a pussy and said I was weak and had no muscles. And I asked him to spell muscle, thinking I was slick, and he just goes, muscle, 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 and just, <laughs> and just burned me again. It was the greatest yeah. job ever, dude. Nobody else gets to just get shit talked up by Hans and Franz. He, uh, yeah, that was, he's a fucking legend, man. Have you, uh, did you guys get to uh, chum it up a good amount? Yeah, man. Yeah. He was, comics are always good to me because of my pops, man. I used to be in that club when I was 12 years old at the improv. My dad opened that club. He was the first comic. He gave Bud startup money to open that one. My mom still gets a $1,000 royalty check from the improv to this day. I was there when I was 12. I wrote, I used to go in and I would bring a spiral notebook. And this was kind of a way for me to connect to my dad, right? And Bud would always let me go and let me sit in the back. And he'd have to clear out the bathroom anytime I'd go because there'd be like actors, musicians, and comics doing blow on the counter. And he'd go, little Freddie SDP, guys, clean up. And he'd throw <laughs> the comic out and he'd treat the actors with so much respect, man. He'd be like two famous actors and one like mid-level comic. And he'd, the mid-level comic will call John. And he'd be like, John, get out of here. Mike Murphy, how you doing? <laughs> He's so, bad. so anyway, I'd be in the back and I'd bring these journals and I would write as fast as I could um, the comics jokes in my spiral. And then based on how loud the audience laughed, I would put a number of stars from one to four. And so if a joke killed, it was four star. And so anyway, I was writing these from 1988 until my freshman year in high school, which was 1991. And, uh, and I had dozens of them. I had Chris Titus, I had Joe Rogan doing this animal planet bit with this female lion mating. He didn't even say a word for like two minutes. It was all just grunting and the crowd was in the palm of his hand. Um, all these like Bobby Slayton, all these like old school Amazing. guys. And uh, I did Chris Titus's podcast a few years back. And I said, hey man, I, uh, I wrote, these are your jokes from 1989. I wrote these down and these are like how hard the audience was laughing. And I just wanted to give it to you. And uh, I never thought I would ever like see you. And this was just a couple of years ago, man. And I wrote this like when I in 88 or 89, somewhere around there and still had all this stuff. And I gave it to him and he was just like, what the, I remember that. We put that on my sitcom, Titus, that joke was on my show. Like he was, it blew his mind. But that was kind of how I, I connected as a, as a young buck, you know. I used to live with Charles Fleischer for Christ's sake. What? For how? The voice of Roger Rabbit? For how yeah, long? Yeah, for a, three months, a whole summer. My mom didn't know he was crazy as cat shit, but he's also a genius, you know? He is a genius. Uh, he would leave me alone when he would go to the club at night. <laughs> when you lived with him, kid. you came out, wait, is this what, during like a pilot season or what? No, I was just a kid during the summer break and, and he was one of my dad's best friends. He used to open for my pops. And uh, my mom and him were talking and, and she was kind of a gypsy and doing some of her things. And she said, do you want to stay with your uncle Charlie? Anybody who was a friend of mine, just became uncle, right? I was like, yeah, yeah. So he taught me how to do the Roger Rabbit voice over a summer. And it made me so cool at my school when I came back. And I was like, well, I don't know. Sometimes I just go crazy. And all these kids were like, oh, my God, I get the Roger Rabbit. It's all because of, of Charlie, man. Mrs. Butts is like, yeah, I've heard better. <laughs> you're like all right well i did i did like, christopher lloyd should have killed that rabbit freddy <laughs> cartoons are real idiot. That rabbit's a fucking idiot. <laughs> hey guys adam ray here for the about last night podcast hope you're enjoying this episode obviously it's a very difficult time for everyone right now we're all uh challenged in finding a day-to-day -day routine 
that, uh, that makes our lives uh, consistent and awesome. And if there's something that's interfering with your happiness right now or preventing you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. Uh, BetterHelp is a professional counseling service online, private, and it's so convenient. Um, I've used it for a little bit now. It's truly the only way uh, that I've found uh, to help get uh, my own issues dealt with on my own time uh, at my own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions plus chat and text with your licensed professional counselor right now. They're specialized in depression, anger, stress, anxiety, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief or relationships, uh, sleeping, which I have a lot of uh, trouble with, trauma, self-esteem. Anything that you share with them is confidential. And guess what? If you're not happy with your counselor for any reason, at any time, you can request a new one for no additional charge. There's 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states, available worldwide. And again, there's four ways to communicate with them. Text, chat, phone, and video. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. It's available on any desktop, mobile web, Android, and iOS apps. Schedule a video or phone session, generally weekly, unless your therapist schedules more, uh, unless you just are really not sleeping and need to get some uh, some some additional chats in. Uh, there's broad expertise in the network, which may not uh, which may not be locally available in many areas. Financial aid is available for those who qualify. It's secure. It's convenient. It's professional. And above all, it's affordable, all right? It's truly the most affordable option I've found. So right now, all ALN listeners are going to get 10% off your first month with a discount code about last night. So why not get started today and start making some changes for the better in your life? You deserve it. So go to betterhelp.com slash about last night. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor that you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash about last night. Betterhelp.com slash about last night and get 10% off your first month with promo code about last night. And now back to the episode. I feel like that's why that has to uh, play a, a role in why you are able to give and take so well, right? And because I think being around it, because, uh, you know, comics will say this all the time, just the, the fun banter that you have with a comic versus a non-comic, there's just a level of receiving and, and not taking yourself seriously and being able to, like, jump into a bit boat, as I like to say, a lot quicker than, than non-comics. But, I but didn't. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I'm saying if you're like, but, but so it's, it's rare for people that aren't in that world uh, doing it. But if you've truly lived it and been around it, like you have, then it's, and seeing these guys and how much fun they're having and probably the way they would bust your balls, right? A little bit. Yes. Uh -huh. yeah. So I didn't used to need the connection to comics that I do now because the world wasn't so sensitive, Right. Like you were allowed to talk trash back and forth without taking it so personally. Yeah. Nowadays, especially, I've really tried to solidify my relationships with comics because I need that. I like when people talk a little trash. Those are always my favorite pro wrestlers, my favorite athletes. My, you know, I like when my friends are like, oh, yeah, nice job, dick face. Like that makes me laugh, even yeah. if I'm the one they're calling a dick face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I messed up, it's funny to me. So nowadays, more than ever, I really try to keep those relationships solid. You know, Josh Wolf, my podcast partner. The best. Oh, yeah. Even though we don't podcast anymore because he's in Memphis, but we still talk every day. Yeah. And we still make fun of each other every day. And I miss that 
because a lot of my friends are younger artists because I find them to be hungrier and that makes me hungrier and they're much more sensitive and nice and polite and and you know that and I'm like yeah I think that that, I I think that idea sucks man and you should focus more on this and they're like oh you think my idea sucks and I'm like yeah that's shit your other ones are better focus and they're like well all ideas are good and I'm like it's just a different it's a generational thing and I'm more Vince McMahon and they're more you know, like the whoever that what was that crazy guy that wanted to see, like UWF wrestling in the eighties? That crazy cokehead guy. Oh, um, whatever is the, the little yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. So you know, and that's kind of it's it's just dueling generations, man. Yeah. There's a less sensitive one and an incredibly sensitive one, and they both have pros and cons. Totally. But I'm never gonna be that. Like I'm never gonna say a bad a, a idea I think sucks is good. I can't. I can't. Do, I don't do that with my wife. I'm not gonna do it with a friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you get to pitch in for these? Uh, by the way, did you ever dream or think that you would be uh, Cascades? It couple. It cup. Yo, man, that was just, hey, do y'all want to do this? And we were like, yeah, that's funny. Like, was- I was going to say, like, the, the how much of the comedy, like, did you have, for anything like that, because I'm sure you guys get approached for shit all the time, like, how much of, of it do you have to actually dig the product and then how much you got to be like, yeah, man, like, we are funny. Like, it's got to be conducive with our personality. It has to be funny. It, yes. I have to either click with it or it has to be funny. Um, if it's funny, then I'm down for it. Um, or if I click with a bit, if it's about video games or Dungeons and Dragons or, or Bruce Lee or say Bruce, the Bruce Lee foundation was like, Freddie, we want you to sell the DNA of Bruce Lee. I would, I would do it for free. I just want some of the DNA so I can get jacked. I'll, I'll take it like steroids, baby. But you said what you were telling me when I was down in Australia, you said you, what was it for that? You said you just went on a crazy, you know, just pump and lift and, Dude, when I, I got up to 203 or four pounds after I fin- after I left WWE, because everybody works out all day and they have a craft service that just makes like 1,800 steaks and baked potatoes every Monday and Friday. So that's all I would eat. And all my friends at that point were wrestlers. So they were all humongous. And I was a skinny little bitch and I was tired of it. <laughs> so I got huge, but I'm not built to be huge. And I was like, I think I blew out my knee. I went to Dr. Elitrosh, who's like, he was like the Kobe Bryant knee doctor. He's like, you don't need knee surgery. You need to lose 15 pounds. You're not, your body shouldn't hold this much weight, you idiot. Oh, so it was just like, he doesn't have the best bedside manner. Dr. <laughs> um, really basically said that to me. Um, so I stopped. I, I stopped eating 18,000 calories a day. And, uh, and got small again and went back to playing Dungeons and Dragons, which I'm way better. <laughs> and this generation of pro wrestlers would rather play D&D than wrestle. They asked me to host on Xavier Woods' Up, Up, Down, Down channel. I hosted their D&D season last year and wrote them a whole custom story and did the whole friggin' thing for it, man. Dude, fuck They're more – cheers. Cheers to crazy, nerds. dude. Cheers to buff nerds. Now, would you – would you uh i i would love to at some point be because i've been around dungeons and dragons since out of the womb and i have yet to participate in a game i feel like i've got a decent understanding of the world but not enough to like jump right in and play it's not like i have an easy one with no stats you don't have to memorize any stats or anything like that is it even comparable to like Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, fucking, is it in, like... I can make it easier than that. There was a video game that came out called Sea of Thieves, and they did a tabletop RPG game where the level you are is how many dice you get. 
So to start the game, you're a level two pirate. You receive two dice, okay? And then I create the story. And whenever something happens, I say, hey, uh, four skeletons spawned, and they're going to kill you unless you roll two victories in four rounds. And on your dice, you'll have victory labels, failure labels, neutral labels. Every victory you get is, goes towards the goal. Every failure you get, I get to add a difficulty to the situation. I've done tons of, of private games. We can do a private one if you don't want to live stream it. I'm going to start a live stream one as soon as we finish shooting Punky Brewster, which we finish next week. Oh, yeah. And I'm going back, back to my live stream. So you can join one of those. I bring rookies in all the time. Okay. It can be a, it's a rotating cast, so you don't have to come every week. You can just come once. You can come every week, every other week, whenever you want. Did you sound I've like had, Arnold? <laughs> bro. I'm telling you, I've had Macaulay Culkin, um, Seth Green. I've had a bunch of pro wrestlers do it where I was just trying to figure out the game, right, how I like to DM it. And I've run so many practice games now that we just ended up doing real private ones where we weren't even live streaming. And Max saves the day in everyone because he's the only guy that thinks outside the box. And he also knows how I think because I've known him for so long. Is he but uh, he's really good. And he, he, saves, he saves their ass every game. Every game, he's saying, because they'll screw up and they'll not roll well. And he's like, Freddie, can I do this? And I'm like, you can do anything. It's just about the role. There are no bad choices. There's just choices. The role decides whether you can do it or not. And But the things he comes up with are usually outside the box and smart. And so the role's not as hard. And he'll succeed and save everyone again. And then they all get gold. He's and then when you get man. five gold, you get an extra dice. You level up, basically, okay. every time you make five gold. So, so eventually a- you can roll five dice. All right, I, I think that's the this level and speed I need to start it's at. It's easy, and then and then you can become you know a dwarven ex wrestler who only wrestled monsters, but has been captured by a queen and cursed to only speak orcs. Well, that's what I, I want. That's, that's what I want. Yeah. We'll bring you in slow, bro. We'll bring you in slow. We just shot one that I'm editing right now that I'll only put on my channel if I can't sell it. But I'm actually going to try and sell it as a proof of concept. We did like a like a cyberpunk. Uh, story and it's very futuristic. I built this table. I think I've even showed you a picture of yes. it. It cost me ten grand to get this thing made. Worth it, and it by has the way. Like that all these insane. mechanics and crazy shit. And we're editing it right now. So when it's all put together, I'll show you a little bit. It was like the little Beetlejuice world, man. It was like it okay. did look. Yes, it was like a futuristic Beetlejuice table. Yeah, a Beetlejuice role playing game would be so much fun yep. and you replicate that table <laughs> and one player's Beetlejuice and everyone else are the regular like residents and so it's a one versus whatever. Yeah. That would be sick. Oh yeah, dude. See, uh, it's in your blood, bro. Uh is is Twitch uh are you obsessed? Is it just the I, I don't do like- Twitch. We're on we do ours is Geghead uh oh, Facebook.com right. forward slash Geghead. Okay. Um and our numbers went up huge once we made the move over there and start we do katan we do live stream katans video game stuff we'll start doing that pirate one pretty soon i already got the backgrounds built up and the layout and all that stuff because i can't do it so i'd have somebody help me uh uh that's fucking yeah i mean that's one of those things too during this uh uh pandemic that i was like all right i I made a list of things that i wanted to uh you know accomplish or oh you know, like that should read, be that's like, an easy one we're like already said, more dude, okay cool hold yeah. on check this out wow. yeah. <laughs> all right all right all right so i'm gonna have one camera on me 
And then all you guys are going to be in like little windows below the main screen. And the main yeah. screen is the table. Yeah. And that's going to be like where our maps are, where all the minis are. That's going to be where your ship sails through. Look at this gorgeous ship. Da -da. This ship, I call her the dead sexy. That's going to go through. But you might be in the ocean. You might have succeeded. You might think everything's cool. And then all of a sudden, the kraken spawns. And all these tentacles start to come up. And you get, there's eight of them. I only can hold three at once. And they start to come up and they surround you. Come on, man. I'm doing my best. I got a hook for a hand. Um, and then you guys have to roll to take out the tentacles or it sinks your ship. So it's just things like that. I have a bunch of these minis that I had custom made. Because, again, I can't make anything. I just write the stories. And uh, we play it all on the table virtually. And eventually when we're allowed to get together and – and people smarten up and everybody wears their masks and we stop spreading this shit, then we can do a face-to-face -face one, which is even more fun. Is it, is it flexing? Um, uh, have you always had this kind of, uh, you know, imaginative, just create? Yeah. Like, are you literally in your element when you're writing stories for? Um, yeah, that's, yeah. I did a five and a half hour story for the WWE's Up, Up, Down, Down channel. It took me probably two weeks to write. Um, I loved every second of it. The cyberpunk one was going to be my buddy, Sam Whitworth to do it, but he booked a job in Canada. So I had to rewrite that one from scratch. Cause I was going to be a player. I wrote it in like two days and it just flowed. And, and I still write in spiral notebooks with a pencil. Like I don't even do it on a computer. I do it the same way I did it in the sixth frigging grade, man. Spiral notebook set of dice to better do all your practice better roles. memory because you know i started typing a lot of my joke stuff out because i lost a couple notebooks that were oh yeah that would so kill like, me i was like i can't like the second one i was just mm -hmm. like i'm out if i don't have this shit saved i can't do it again yeah. and i no I'm i can't that i get why you do that but i only really write here in my studio the room i'm in right now is my little okay. game studio um so i really only write in here i have like 10 little spiral notebooks right over there they all have ones that i've either done already or uh, ones that I'm getting ready to do. We're going to do a Karate Kid one the year before Johnny wins the title. And we're just calling it All Valley. Yeah. And there's, it's going to be four players. And I haven't even cast it yet, so maybe you want to do that one. Dude, And you're rolling dice to get your first kickoff and all that. It's for points. And it'll be a story version of the game the first night. And then the next day is the actual tournament itself That's and then you guys idea. will be fighting me that the non-player characters the npcs and if you guys are winning your whoa, fights whoa, whoa, eventually whoa, whoa. you'll fight each other npcs can we say that in 2020 yeah non-player characters. yeah yeah, yeah no, i'm joking they like uh, that that's what yeah. they want to be called <laughs> is there <laughs> is there uh um is there a, a, an almost poker vibe to it like can you shoot the shit in between the game is it a hang oh, as yeah. far as the game is a backdrop to the hang or is are they kind of on the same level as far as there's all kinds of different games. You know, there's some people that want you to play in character, right? So if you're like a paladin, they want you to be noble and I'm right. down for that. And if you're a rogue, then you got to be kind of like, hey, 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 and be kind of skeezy, Dude, I was right? Wolverine at Universal Studios for five years. I think I Were you fucking, really? I think I can commit to the character if that's what you're asking. Were you really? Yeah, dude. <laughs> you want to talk about back behind the scenes X-Men stories, dude. I Bro, my buddy Steve is the voice of Wolverine, Steve Blunt. That's the amazing. guy that, hey, Bob, that guy, that's, oh, yeah, yeah he, he does like, he's in the Guinness Book of World Record. He has like 800 different voices. Well, that, that's way cooler. I was just. No, he's I, not buff like you. You got to be buff to be the Wolverine, bro. I mean, I, you know, I was eye candy for nerdy children and heavy set Latina women, but it was. Bro, I probably ran into you and you don't even percent. know it. I had a season pass. You don't understand. 
when I was a little boy, I was born here. That was the first, I went there before Disneyland. I, the first script I ever, the first script I ever wrote was called the tour guide. And it was about this. I was a tour guide first. (laughs) Bro, we're going to rewrite this for you. It was this kid who grew up and his, he idolized his father. His father was a mechanic and he took him to Universal Studios as a little boy. And all he ever wanted to be was a tour guide. Yes. And now all he gets to do is maintenance because he just didn't have the personality. The kid go, is a little off and he's a little bit crazy. And uh, he, he builds his own tram car, and dr- but it's souped up. And he drives it onto the lot because he's going to give the, great, the greatest tour alive. <laughs> and when he gets there, he, he hitches up and he gets discovered while the people are getting on the car. And now it's a race for him to give the greatest tour before he gets caught and arrested and get away. And that was, that was the very first Dude. script I ever wrote. It's called The Tour Guide. It's because I love Universal Studios. Dude, come on, man. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's some of the shit I, I've scrolled through on Netflix. I mean, come on, man. That's, a, that's also yeah, a, man. Great, that's a great – it's got a little Pee Wee's Big Adventure in it because you're just getting – you're getting a lot of – like if you have a chunk of the movie living on the back lot like that, there's just a lot of fun stuff you can. Oh yeah, dude! I was 17 when I wrote the idea. I was Good literally you, 17 years. Yeah, old. that was my first gig there, and then it wasn't paying enough because I was just doing it in the summers, and so I was like, I need to make more money. Somebody was like, you know, the face characters make you know 23 an hour, and I was like, excuse me, and uh, <laughs> so I put in the fucking. Do you show a little face with Wolverine? Oh no! You oh, show the whole dude, face. watch this. Do you show the whole face? <laughs> there's no mask for Wolverine. It's the whole. Whoa, dude. So that wasn't us. That's the Disney World Wolverine. I was full face. Oh, you had to do full face? Full face. That's sick, by the way. But that Pretty was, sick, right? Yeah, that's incredible. Where'd you get that? Did you steal that from the guy at nah. Disney World? Custom made, baby. I just pay a lot of Did money. Did your mom knock people. out the fucking Wolverine <laughs> and you took the mask? Yeah. Give my she son beat, that mask. She beat Hugh Jackman's ass. <laughs> she wanted Russell Crowe to get the part back in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, She's yeah. never got over it. Uh. Well, uh, okay. So, well, that's incredible. Yeah, dude. I probably ran into you, dude. I, I had, pri- I went out of my way to break the fourth wall with Greg Maddox, the, uh, Cy Young award, uh, pitcher. Hell um, yeah. I uh, mean, he didn't give my Dodgers any good years, but he's still all right. For sure, dude. He, I mean, I think he was done at that point. Uh, John Stamos had a nice moment with him where I screamed at him and told him to slow down. It's not a race. And he just looks at me and goes, nice. <laughs> Basically being like half and half of like, I get it, actor guy. You're trying to have a moment with Stamos, but also (laughs) get a little smirk of also like, you know, like you're doing your thing, whatever. And then Dave Matthews, uh, the night after saw him at the Hollywood Bowl, was there with his uh, family. And I went up to him, did a bunch of bits. And then he was like, hey, is there a place to get a drink around here? And I was like, yeah, I'll take you. Walked him to the one little As Wolverine, as Wolverine. This was when I was a New York cop. You were on the the beat? Yeah. (laughs) Dude, that was the last job I had. And I uh, honestly, the best gig because I wasn't That's from great. anything. I used to have this joke where I'd go, kids would go, hey, well, what are you from? And I was like, oh, I'm from a little film called, uh, uh, I got a theater degree and this is where it fucking got me, you know? And uh, because I wasn't, it was just a 1940s cop. You're like, you're not, you're not from anything. So you're just Ooh, literally I, watering the streets. I used to make fun of all the actors from my generation that spent all that money on college. I would give them so much heat. I'd be like, hey, man, how much that cost your parents? Oh, oh yeah. shut up, bro. Just because your dad was saying, I go, yeah, I didn't have to go to college. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I mean, it was a, uh, so, and then so Dave managed, I take That's him to the brutal. bar, and then I break the fourth wall, and I go, I go, bro, I go, I go, I was at the show last night. I go, I just got to say, you guys were fucking on fire. And he goes, huh? He goes, 
He goes, breaking the fourth wall. He goes, can you do that? I go, hey, man. I go, this job ain't going to fucking be – this is a means to an end. You're like, I'm New York's finest. I'm not even from a real movie, man. <laughs> yeah. If I was He's Wolverine, like, this wouldn't be happening. <laughs> so we go to the, the pub. I take him in there. We're talking about the show. Talking about <laughs> you walked show. in with him as oh, yeah. the cop? Yeah, yeah. Walking, you know, and we're, and we're joking around. And then I just go uh, – he goes, he goes, he goes, he goes, this is weird. He goes, but do you want something? <laughs> I go, dude, I go, I would give nothing more than to like – have a fucking beer with you right now in costume and it is worth it i go oh he goes no God. no he goes, i don't want you to get you fired and i was like can i at least get a picture he's like he's like yeah for sure we'll do that and uh but that's but, uh, too funny man but yeah the gig it was a it was a nice it was a nice way to again like keep flexing the muscle without uh without you know wanting to like waiting tables i was like thought about that but i was like everyone's in such a good mood at universal you, you know? haven't like, shit on it once so i know i know you didn't hate it Otherwise, no. you'd have dumped all over it. It was it was love hate. It was I'd wake. I mean, there are days where I'm literally like, you know, dude, like getting uh, you know chastised by my boss because I pulled out a multicolor squirt gun as the 1940s cop, and she's like, Adam, this is 1940s New York. You are not keeping up with the authenticity of the time period. Right. And I was like, Jenna, with all due respect, Five O Curious George and SpongeBob just drove by on a trolley with the song Ooh E Ooh Ah Ah Ching Chang Walla Walla Bing Bang. I'm not a history buff, bitch, but I'm pretty sure that song wasn't being played. <laughs> World War you were you were trying to hear it that day, bro. <laughs> yeah. That's how my mom will handle somebody right there. Yeah. That's why I was not like a oh favorite boy because I always just like was like, "What about this?" And they were like, "Just go." Just also, my boss was like a failed Disney princess, so she had a she had, oh, she so had a, she, she had some anger. Shoulder. Yeah, uh, and she wanted everybody just to look up to her. And uh, keep I met that a couple mentality. I know a couple casting directors like that who like didn't make it as, as an actor. And so if they didn't like your work, not only were you not going to get the role, but they were going to make that audition a horrible, horrible experience to try to make you quit. And you just be sitting there like, dang, I know it didn't work out for you, but <laughs> damn. Yeah. Take the foot off the gas. Um, all right. Uh, I want to wrap this up, Freddie, with uh, we've got some specific, uh, specific uh, fun, uh, original games um, co-created by my boy Gage, who's going to uh, jump in here on the Zoom and pull up some images, some questions, and uh, just kind of spice this episode up a little bit. Let's so do it. Although all I want to do is, is Kelsey Grammer you and go, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, me neither, Kelsey. We'll be right back. By the way, Steve Whitmire is the voice of Kermit. And... Uh, uh, all right. So, and wrestling's uh, not real. Please watch my show. Yeah, please, God, please watch this show. We don't know how much longer we got. Uh, I, I, there's only so many exercise bikes I can plug on this thing. Um, <laughs> all right. First, first game up. Gage, hit it. All right. So, Freddie, obviously, the Scooby-Doo franchise. Beloved. Adored. Yeah. Uh, a ton of cash. It didn't make in the hundreds of millions, right? Yeah. The first one made three quarters of a billion and the second one made it like half a billion. God damn, dude. Yeah, man. Any, do you, do you have any, uh, you know, indication of this going into it? Or is it, uh, are you like, oh, fun move. This sounds fun. Australia. No, I, I figured it would be a big movie. Sarah was already, do I wasn't going to do it. Sarah was going to do it. I found out it was going to be six months away from my girlfriend. So I was like, yeah, I'll fucking do it. <laughs> so, so I said yes. And then and we went down there. The script we read was not the script we shot. It was much more PG-13, the original draft. Um, and I think, 
I don't want to speak for the rest of the cast, but I know Sarah and I, I'm comfortable speaking for Sarah, we weren't thrilled with the new draft. Neither was the writer, James Gunn. He said that publicly, so I don't mind speaking for him. Cool. Um, but I don't know about Linda and Matthew. So that part was a little weird, but you're there. You just make the best of it. It's still your job to commit no matter what, unless you want to drop out the film. And I wasn't going to do that. And so we still had a ton of fun making it. And uh, I loved every scene that we got to do, man. I got to get punched in the face by a pretend dog. All kinds of crazy shit. So it was still fun. It just originally, I think all of us were in our early 20s and we wanted something a little edgier. Yep. <clears throat> yep. Um, all right. Well, But this, they were uh, right, by the way. They were right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it probably it just appealed to more kids because of that. Right? Exactly. And they were correct. We were wrong. Uh, well, if they brought back Scooby-Doo, Freddie, which of these adventures sounds like the most fun to do with the gang? Let's see. Let's see. Finding buried treasure under the Hollywood sign. Like buying that. Coke from a cougar named Liz and then busting her underground drug dungeon. Getting Trader Joe's to add more aisles and limit the weird chocolates. Going on a six-month expedition to find Shaggy's real dad. Man. Who would Shaggy's real dad be? <laughs> I mean, that's that's the most fun answer because, yeah. That's Man, it's got to be that, right? Because the first thing you want is Matthew McConaughey, but then you're like, <laughs> maybe it shouldn't be him because that's the first thing. You know what I mean? But Dude, I don't want to overthink it. Because You oh. know what, though? That's like a Tom Cruise Tropic Thunder and McConaughey <laughs> Tropic Thunder type thing where you get McConaughey to do or a bill murray in zombie land where it's just yes it's the yes. cameo of all cameos and it's yes and mcconaughey's got kids now so if the new one is still kid friendly mcconaughey's probably it's warner brothers they ain't gonna make it grown up <laughs> dude right. that's why their superhero movies don't get the love that the marvel ones do dude right and they have the better roster they could be making monster villain movies speaking of scooby monsters Every week, you could do Solomon Grundy as Friday the 13th. Just a modern-day Friday the 13th with Solomon Grundy, born on a month. That whole storyline is the exact same. He's a serial killer, kills everybody. You can make it for $20 million. It would make $500 million. And all of a sudden, you're creating a villain so that now when a hero comes up and needs somebody to fight, they actually fucking mean something instead of just giving them the 20-minute rollout that they give him in every other fucking DC movie. Excuse me. I, just, I really like DC heroes, and this stuff you know, is frustrating. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, all right. Well, McConaughey, I think that's a good one. So, so Shaggy's dad is D, the, uh, all, D all day, D all day, D all day. Great. That is finding correct. treasure under the Hollywood sign more for me in like real life. I just would like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, although buying Coke from a cougar named Liz, like just seeing the gang tackle cougars. There, their... there are. And if it was like an actual cougar, like a mountain lion cougar, that could actually be under the Hollywood sign. You get two at one because there are cougars up. And I see, I think that's how you get the adult jokes with the kid spin where you go, we're looking for a cougar named Liz. And then it ends up being an actual cougar. It ends cougar. up being an actual cougar, but with Coke, so then you lose the kids. With game. Coke and Big Fat, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and then Shaq has to be like, what does that actual cougar have Big Fake Ted Scoop? <laughs> this drug's way different than the one we normally do. You know, like, this journey's way different. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, next one up, Gage. All right. The next, uh, the next uh, question, Freddie. What do we got? I know what you did last summer. Uh, arguably one of the uh, biggest horror movies of all time. Um, and my fiance, by the way, wanted to know, she goes, this seems like, as, alongside Scooby-Doo, the most fun hang for a movie, right? She was like, I want to know what the best hang was that he had. Like, were you talking cast, crew? Because she's now going on her third year of being in the business and working on sets, and she's starting to see that 
familial energy and the way people can kind of bond together and when they leave shows and stuff. So uh, which, which production do you think had the, the longest lasting, like, man, I'm going to fucking miss this crew or the journey we had, or maybe the ups and downs brought us together. Out of just between Scooby and I know you did or all of them. Uh, I think all. Yeah. She's all that. Well, she's all that. I'm still super tight with Dulé. Rachel Lee Cook is like my sister. I'm still, I Dude, love she's, her. She's like some things, uh, jokes of mine or clips on Twitter. She's never met her. Amazing. She's such a wonderful person. I love her so much. All the years that she was supposed to age, I took for her and put on my, into my gray hair. And that's why she still looks 26 freaking years old. Killing it. Um, but yeah, that's easy. Kieran was in that movie. Still cl close with K-Dog. I'm still close with Dulé. Uh, Paul and I had this crazy connection with jujitsu and an, actually an important lesson. A lot of friendships that we have, we take for granted and you're supposed to get together with these friends. You have something unique and in common with, right? And you'll talk about doing it and you'll blow it off sometimes for legit reasons. And sometimes it's cause you're tired. Um, I did that with Paul for the better part of a year. We had very different philosophies on jujitsu and we had rolled a few times, but we never went all out and we kept talking about, Hey, let's really get after it and see like if if you're if my sort of peaceful nature could outwill his his sort of power game right yeah. and we would talk about it all the time and we put it off and we put it off and we put it off and then one day he was fucking dead and we never got to have that 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 moment so not to like bring it down but learn from my mistake so you never have to bring down an interview when you get interviewed <laughs> and and water those damn those friendship trees so that they grow man because i i I have regrets wrong, in life, you know, and that's, that's one of them and regrets suck. So if you can avoid one by just listening to my dumb ass, take that with you. If not, whatever, it's cool. <laughs> I, I love that, man. Uh, but she's all that for sure. All yeah. those people. I'll see Jody Leno Keefe even like once a year randomly at a grocery store and have a huge hug and talk and catch up with her. But like Dulé and I still converse on the phone. Rachel and I still converse on the phone. Um, if I ran into Lil' Kim, I'd give her a big old hug because I loved Lil' Kim. She was in She's All That, man. People forget. I know. That's great. That movie also, and I I'm sure you agree, like, really paved the way for, like, those uh, those types of movies with the, um, you know, uh, even, like, like, wasn't Never Been Kissed, like, shortly after that? Things that kind of felt in that same... It it made it mainstream and profitable for Hollywood to make more, yes. but it certainly wasn't the original. I mean, the eighties was more angst and more, uh, more adult driven. Cause those kids were descendants of seventies of parents. So it was a different kind of vibe. This right. was much more of a, of a cooler feel good kind of generation that nineties was. Um, and now they're getting a remake, but it certainly wasn't original. I mean, right. Miss Doolittle existed long before Lenny Box. Right, right, right. I guess it's always like, you know, what the generation you grew up and what yeah. you saw. Like for me, I guess seeing it, it was just like the first taste of that. Uh, also, just living in the 90s when you had so many back-to-back -back hits, dude. Was it just... Bro, the 90s The was 90s. So fun. <laughs> That's all I wanted to hear you say. Bro, I got to fly in a jet in the 90s because the guy was Puerto Rican and liked me and my dad, the guy that ran Nellis Air Force Base in Las Vegas. He was like, hey, man, you want to fly in a jet? I loved your dad. It's like, Yeah. So it, I thought I was going to get in it. I had to go through this whole like day of training and they taught me about the flight suit and all this shit. And they put me in. A, I don't remember what the two seater is. Cause this was like 97. It wasn't an F 16. I think it was an F 15 maybe. And uh, the guy fucking takes off and I'm doing the breathing right away. I'm so, I'm literally like, 
like right he's like you're good you don't have to do that yet i'm like okay okay so we get up and we're doing our thing and i go can we fly over area 51 he's like nah man we can't do that he goes where are you from i go la and uh he's like cool i go how long would it take us to get there he goes about eight minutes <laughs> oh my god <laughs> it was insane though so yeah i got to fly in jets He's like, I, got I gotta to, have you sniffing alien buttholes in 45 bro, seconds if you, if you I play a Dude, I right. saw a UFO when I was a kid. No Get joke. Get out of here. Bro, bro. Get out me, of here. Albuquerque, New Mexico. I was living there. I was with my cousin Chris Sandoval. We were all playing uh, hide and go seek out in the mesa in the desert. And we see a shoot, or I see a shooting star. And I yell, shooting star. And we see it, only it doesn't burn out. It keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. Stops. Oh, there's like six of us. Everybody's staring at it. And then it just goes straight up into the sky. Straight up into the sky. We all run into the sky. We're screaming, Alan, we don't know what it is. We're like, Alan, I run in. Uncle Don, Uncle Don. He goes, that shit's out there every night. Like, it was no big deal. Like, it was no big deal. How often? I don't not believe. Look, I don't believe in Bigfoot because I feel I'm like. I'm not Jeff Die. I'm, I'm not. I don't believe Jeff in Dye, Big fucking some, Foot. Dude, that is. I love. I love Jeff. He's so a, he's a, he's a, he owns his stupidity, but so, and do I, do I partner his belief in Bigfoot into his, his stupidness? No, those are separate things. <laughs> I love that he owns that he isn't the best speller and that is such a jovial, big little kid and yeah. kind of a dumb, dumb, but that's part of his appeal. The Bigfoot thing, you know, that's a deal breaker. No, I'm joking, but it is. <laughs> no, it is. It no, is. It, it's just like, and I did a joke about it uh, a, a little while ago and posted the clip and a buddy of his tagged him in it. I saw that joke. You're like, yeah. spoiler, season eight. Yeah, they didn't find him. Yeah. Still haven't got <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. There used to be a show that was better than that one called Mountain Monsters. Uh, I'm into it. It's a bunch of West Virginia hicks. Done. You have it to has to be. It. it always is, dude. It's never like Harvard grads being like, dude, you guys want to just take the lolly and go to fucking Joshua Tree? Yeah, you got to bounce, don't you? I, I do, but I'm still going to silence that. Um, I, uh, have to, uh, I do have to bounce. I have to put a dog crate in a car and take two puppies to, uh, to the doggy doctor to get their shot. Do you, have, do you have two minutes? Yeah. Okay, let's do these last two games because they're great. I love you. This has been amazing, by the way. All right, if someone said, I know what you did last summer, that means they know that you did what? Uh, ate too much pie and ex had excessive diarrhea. Told no. someone at the airport about your diarrhea and was asked by a flight attendant to move seats. Had an orgy with local lifeguards. Reenacted the Tom Hanks classic Turner and Hooch for your grandma's 80th birthday. Ooh. Or got a new haircut, FaceTimed an ex, bought a couch, took 12 equal gummies, and had a dream you were Batman looking for Bigfoot. Speaking <laughs> of Bigfoot. Yeah. I I'm going D because I love Turner and Hooch. Me too. And I he was also supposed to be the Manny on Friends, but he was working, so they let me do it. So shout out to Tom Hanks. <laughs> Wait a second. You yeah, filled bro. in for Hanks? Yeah, he was busy. It was busy. But I was That's choice so two just behind the man. <laughs> <laughs> Your Epa Friends is so good, by the way. Uh, my, uh, my girl just started re-watching Friends from the get-go. Actually, I don't think she's seen like full seasons, so she's, uh, she's leading up to it. My um, daughter's watching. She's 11. <laughs> I dude, it's it's timeless. It was in uh, we just started getting into Handsmaid's Tale, and uh, which is bonkers. And that uh, she's watching that in part of the show, and and I'm laughing at friends in Handsmaid's Tale. I'm like, this show is just <laughs> not, not going anywhere. All right, next one. Uh, look, we know you love wrestling. You're uh, heavily attached. Um, uh, now I'm somewhat in the world. If you could become a professional wrestler, and only these characters were available, Freddie, which of these would you choose? Danny Dildo. Raymond the Masked Milkman, 
Barry Backfat, Vending Machine. Oh, God. Or Jack the Mean Cock. Okay, I know you want me to go Jack the Mean Cock, all right? <laughs> hey, dude, it's your world. Now, just, if, if I got to it. pick my own, I would be a luchador, so I would have to go with Barry Backfat. However, <laughs> there's a local wrestling show, indie show, here in L.A. called Wrestling Pro Wrestling that does comedy costume-centric wrestling where they literally have a guy named Chow Mein Charlie who's a giant box of takeout Chinese food wrestling like barbecue pork who's just a spare rib and they wrestle. And they can't do any moves, obviously, because their arms barely fit out of this giant box, but it's hysterical. So I'm going with the vending machine guy, even though the screen's gone. I don't remember his name, because then I could be the wrestling pro wrestling champion, take down Chow Mein Charlie, and dominate WPW. What? Wow, dude. Do you have a catchphrase if you were a vending machine? Yeah, it would be, keep the change. (laughs) Say it just like that, too. Dude, that is unbelievable. Uh... What what is oh okay last one Freddie this is the last okay. one uh, great answer uh, you're a big gamer if these were actual games I want to know from which of these games what you have to do to beat these games first one up fish fuck two thousand <laughs> okay now you see the size oh, wait, of that yeah, mouse okay sorry go ahead go ahead. oh wait wait oh yeah gauge one at a time all right so here we go so fish fuck two thousand okay not only do you have to catch the fish but the size of that mouth is the exact size necessary to be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> the correct answer. Next one. Alien cock block. All right. This is a more serious one because you and the alien are actually friends, or so you think. This game is more like Leisure Suit Larry from back in the 80s. And every time you're about to seal the deal, the alien comes in and instead of cock blocking, just bites the head off the person you're trying to fuck. I played that game. <laughs> Next one. Double bubble butt. Okay, this is a big shout-out to um, uh, Kojima, Hideki Kojima. Um, in the last Metal Gear, for whatever reason, in the opening segment, he put you in a hospital gown, and you just had to stare at Solid Snake's sweet ass for the first, like, 10 minutes of the game for no reason whatsoever. So apparently he's back. He made up with, uh, with uh, whatever company that was that made the game, and he's not only going to give you one naked ass, but two. <laughs> so I'm going to take a pass. And the last one. Hitler Schmittler. (laughs) This is a throwback. This game's been out for a while. You can get it on Game Pass on Xbox. And it's kind of a throwback to the 16-bit, 32-bit kind of games. They went with the Doom vibe, only this one. All the enemies are Hitler, and your weapon is called the Schmittler. And so you just go, when you shoot, it just goes, Schmitt, 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 Schmitt. And you just work hundreds of Hitlers, a couple Heimlers in there too, but Hitler's the main guy. Oh, you gave me that good, deep Josh Wolf fucking smoky laugh. Oh, man. <laughs> that's dude, the rare one. That's the rare one. Dude, those answers were amazing. Uh, Freddie, you're, you're a fucking gangster, dude. I love, love you, man. Bro. This was so fun, dude. Let's talk uh, wrestling when we're not on the iPod. Yes, just next two days, hit me up. Your, let's let's catch job. up. Uh, let's do this for real, and, and uh, I got stories for you. You got it, bro. I love I'm going to go buddy. take some puppies. Right, Peace. Thanks, love you, man. See you, buddy. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.